So I'm going to read from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone, anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. It's quite an image, isn't it? The, um, the disciples hiding, cowering, doors locked. Not hiding from the Romans, not hiding from the soldiers, hiding from the leaders of the faith because they've just watched what's happened to Jesus. And that was led by the leaders of the faith, not the Romans. So there they are in fear, behind locked doors, and Jesus appears. <laughs> that would be enough to get your attention, wouldn't it? The doors are locked, <laughs> they're hiding away, and suddenly they're in front of you. It's Jesus. And extraordinary that he says, peace be with you, peace to you. And it's that peace that speaks to fear. It's that peace that speaks to anxiety. Peace that speaks to people who are in hiding. They might not be tucked away behind locked doors, but we can still hide, can't we? Peace to those who are bewildered by his appearance. Peace to those who do not recognize him. Where do you need Jesus to speak peace to you today? Don't need to answer that out loud, but just hold on to that thought. Where do you need Jesus to speak peace to you today? Perhaps to your future. Maybe to your past. Your health your family, your worries, your fears, your doubts, and maybe other places. Jesus meets his friends. They don't recognize him to begin with, but he speaks peace to them. This enormous word that encompasses so much. I'm not going to go into all that that word peace means, but it could be defined as this. May you be whole and filled with well-being, body, mind, and spirit. Even that little line says a lot, doesn't it? May you be whole and filled with well-being, body, mind, and spirit. It's curious that the disciples don't recognize him, isn't it? Or at least they seem not to, because there is nothing recorded about, is that you, Jesus? 
Is that you? How did you get in here then? Doors are locked. How, how do you do that? There's no... We thought you were dead. We watched you. You were... And now... Is it you? No. So where have you been for the last three days then? <laughs> There's none of that, is there? Presumably because they just don't recognize him. And then he shows them his scars, his hands and his side, and then they see. The crucified Lamb of God is always recognized by his scars, by those woundings. So they see those and then they know. Now they recognize him, and it says that they were um, overjoyed. Typical British understatement, that. <laughs> Literally, they joyed with great joy. But this is not the celebratory moment. This is not the reunion. This is not the party. This is not when the story is told of where Jesus has been and what he's done. This is a mission assignment. Jesus has got business to conduct, and he's going to do it. There's a transaction to complete. And the next few words he speaks are very, very significant to those men and to us today. And now he has their attention. He speaks peace again. Exactly the same words, peace to you. Perhaps the first time he was talking to their fears, their bewilderment, their anxiety. Now he's speaking peace ahead of what he is going to say to them. Perhaps as a blessing, maybe, for the mission that he's about to give them. And he says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. And we need to unpack that a bit because these are not just parcels that are being delivered. There is great meaning in that as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. As the Father sent me, that word is loaded, loaded with the sense of Commission from the sender. God the Father is sending Jesus. And it's not just a go and get on with the job and come back and tell me when you've done it. This is a sending where the sender is wholly invested in the mission. You can't be much more invested than having your son go do the job can you? He is completely, God the Father, invested in the job that Jesus has to do. So the sender, connected, bonded to the one that is sent. And that means he has an ongoing interest in the work that is to be done. And now Jesus is saying to his friends, it's a different word that he uses, 
It's still translated sent, but it's a different word. But because Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you, it gives us the idea that what Jesus has been delegated to do, he is then delegating us to do. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Father is still connected through Jesus doing the sending to what we are being asked to do. Does that make sense? Yeah? So Jesus is saying to his friends, his beloved gang, these are his mates, I'm sending you. Same terms and conditions as you like, I'm sending you. The mission continues to be overseen by God the Father. He's still deeply invested in it. That must have been a bit of a shock because they've just seen what's happened to Jesus as a result of his mission. So I bet they took a deep breath at that point. And then he seals the commission. He seals the contract, not with a signature, but with a breath. He breathes on them, the Holy Spirit. This isn't Pentecost, so it's not the full release of the Spirit. This is like a pledge of what is to come to enable these men to do what they need to do in the next few days, however long it is, before um, Pentecost. It's got to sustain them. And when Jesus breathed on them, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. When I had a look at that word, receive, I was reminded of trying to teach a child to catch a ball. Have you ever done that? You know, the child stands there, you throw the ball, what happens to the ball? <laughs> Just drops straight through, doesn't it? Because there's no, there is no attempt to catch it. And you, you throw the ball again and through it drops because they just haven't got the idea that actually they have a part to play in this catching business. And even if they hold their hands like this, the likelihood of them catching it is still not great, is it? And this word receive means that we, this is an active word on our part. It's basically saying you've got to grab it. You've got to grab it. It's not a passive, okay then, just, let me catch the Holy Spirit. Oh, what happened there? This is a grabbing of it. And I hadn't seen it in quite that way before. That Jesus says, receive. And we need to go, yes. Get it. Catch it. Take it. And say, yes, Lord, I will receive it. And that made me wonder, have I been too passive? in my accepting of the Holy Spirit? And has that then limited what he's able to do? What about you? Have you just passively accepted the Holy Spirit without that sense of, yes, I want him? Am I still a child holding out my arms hoping to catch him? Salutary thoughts. But Jesus doesn't finish there. There's a couple more sentences. And these are 
words that if we were not careful, we could run riot. Because at first appearance, it looks like Jesus is saying to us, you can go down the street, and I'm not going to point to anybody here, you could run down the street and could go, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, but you're not. Is that what Jesus is saying? I hope not. Because <laughs> we're in trouble if it is. No, it isn't. He's not saying you can discriminately forgive or not forgive on my behalf. Because elsewhere in scripture, we, are, we learn who, who does the forgiving here? God. God. And God forgives how? Through the death of Jesus on the cross. So what I, th what I think he is saying here is that we have to declare the forgiveness of Jesus to others so that they can see it and understand it, but we have to live it. We have to bear witness to it because all the time it has to point to father forgiveness comes from him but we have to live our lives as a testament to that to say see what god's done in my life he can do it in your life see what god's done for me he's not appointing these guys as moral watchdogs you know who can say well you're never going to be forgiven for that because if we do not bear witness to what Jesus has done for us, people are going to be left without forgiveness. And that's what I think he means by, if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. They're going to be left hanging on to this stuff. And that's Jesus' mission, God-given to us, that we bear witness to what he has done in us. Doesn't mean we have to be clever with words. Doesn't mean to say that we've all got to be able to stand up and, and teach and expound and, you know, translate and all that sort of thing. I think he's asking us to show on the outside what he's done on the inside so that other people can say, your life is different what have you got that I haven't got? That, I think, is what he's asking us. That we're ready to forgive when we've done wrong. We're ready to say, I've got it wrong. We're ready to say, that behavior wasn't honoring to God today. And then we give other people glimpses of the work that God has done. And to do that, we need the Holy Spirit in all his fullness. So where are you hiding today? Where are you in your locked up room? What's holding you there? Where do you, know the, where do you need to know the peace of God? And where do you need a fresh breathing of the Holy Spirit into your life? These disciples, here they are trapped in this room, hiding in fear of their lives. And in a few weeks, what are they going to be? Preaching to thousands. How did they do that? 
because Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And they were released into a new purpose. And for some of them, that purpose cost them everything. What's the Lord saying to you today? 